you're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriance for our Black and White Sports. My God, Antonio Brown is at it again. We've talked about the fact that occasionally Antonio Brown gets a moment of clarity and he gets one right, like he came out, co-signed what Kanye West had to say the other day. He came out, he slammed, destroyed Colin Kaepernick over the fact that he basically thought Colin Kaepernick was full of shit. He was a grifter. I've said that many times myself. But then you have this. You've got the hotel incident. You've got the walking off the field, shooting a deuce during a Jets game very, very publicly. But this going after Tom Brady's wife, Tom Brady's family, is appalling. It's disgusting. Uh, You know, divorce is not easy. I've been through them. (laughs) You've got children involved here. And for Antonio Brown to not have the common decency, not sense, decency, to not get involved in this, this is the mother of Tom Brady's children. He's done it again. He's done it again. He is uh, he's trolling Tom Brady in a very, very drama-filled just a sad time all around, I'm sure, for everybody involved in that family. Outkick. Antonio Brown viciously mocks Tom Brady's marital troubles, appears to announce retirement, and flexes a six-figure music income money. Uh, I, I, You know, that's a side note. But, yeah, he, he looks like he retired from the NFL officially in this as well. Antonio Brown is done with football, and he is using his downtime to make music and mock Tom Brady. Tom Brady helped you win a Super Bowl ring. Tom Brady lets you stay in his house to try to get your life back together. Wow. Wow. I mean, look, scumbag of the year right here. The former seven-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion wide receiver did not hold back Sunday morning. Brady, who once took Brown into his home while the duo played together in Tampa Bay, is reportedly on the brink of divorce. He and Giselle Bunchen have been dealing with marital issues over the last few months. We found out the other day it's been the last few years involving the NFL likely stemming from his decision to unretire from football. Meanwhile, Brown has been very aggressive towards his former quarterback. Shortly after the news broke that Brady and Bunchen hired lawyers, he posted a photo with the latter as as if he to say he was available once the divorce is final. Antonio Brown was at it again today. The 34-year-old shared another photo that viciously mocked Brady's marital troubles and implied that he was going to slide in on Bunchen once she's single, if not now. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, let me just bring this up. Here we go. That's AB's Twitter. That's, that's you, there you are. And there's, I'm actually, I'm actually subscribed to this. They put out some pretty funny stuff. But this is really tacky, really tacky. 
Daddy Doesn't Live Here Anymore, a book about divorce. There's Tom Brady holding his bag, Giselle on the front porch, and the daughter, of course, hugging the mother. He's saying goodbye. Uh, look, for a lot of us, <laughs> it's it's a bad look. While I'm in here, I might as well show you there is his paycheck that he got from rapping. 150 grand, by the way. It was a sh- savage share, especially considering that Brown and Brady were once tight and that the latter more or less saved the former's career. I, I don't get it. I truly don't understand it. You want to talk about no self-awareness? Tom Brady got you a ring and saved your NFL career. That was the GOAT. That wasn't you. I mean, to be honest with you, Antonio Brown, you're going to be an afterthought in the history of the NFL. An afterthought. Tom Brady will be forever. He will be immortal. And you're off rapping somewhere when you could could still be playing in the NFL. Talk about no self-awareness. That would be it on volume 10. It doesn't seem to matter. There is no hope that the two will rekindle their relationship. Brown is done with football anyway. He said on Sunday, he won't be returning to the NFL. The only person I'll ever play football with again is my son. And it goes on to talk about that money we just talked about. Um, it should be noted, Antonio Brown, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to come out and say it. You're not done with football. Football's been done with you. Let's be real, okay? The moment you walked off the field, sauntered off the field with no shirt on, flipping the deuce, I would guess, just a guess, that when, look, when Jerry Jones won't even come calling, no Amari Cooper, Gallup goes down. When Jerry Jones, the one owner that loves him, some diva wide receivers, Michael Irvin, Terrell Owens, when Jerry won't even come calling, the NFL, the National Football League, was done with you. Why? Exhibit 97. You trolling the GOAT over his divorce. My God. Black and White Nation, good looking out yesterday. 7,000 people showed up to the live stream. You guys rock. You guys rock. We appreciate that very, very much. And you kept us going yesterday in what was a very scary time after putting in 80 hours a week for the last two years working on what we're trying to build. It got very scary yesterday. We appreciate it. And F Antonio Brown, by the way. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Make sure you use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word will get you 25% off. Go get them right now. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. 
Well, Black and White Network, let's talk about Candace Owens of the Daily Wire and Black Lives Matter. Now, Black Lives Matter, I believe, is a fraud. People that donated to Black Lives Matter, that money has not been put back into the black community. It went to actually buying large mansions. That's what BLM actually should actually stand for. Now, I said it before in the past, the name Black Lives Matter for this organization, that was ingenious. It was completely ingenious, even though it had nothing to do with black lives. And now, folks, on BLM has really, really come under a lot of heat as Patrice Cullors and these other Marxists actually pretty much stole money and put it in their own pockets. Now, Kansas Owens actually has a um, a new documentary on uh, BLM called The Greatest Lie Ever Sold. And I think it's actually going to be on uh, Daily Wire. I do have a membership over there, but there is a trailer that drop. And boy, the things that uh, BLM spent money on is worse than what we already already reported on in videos. Folks, let's go ahead and watch this trailer here. This should be eye opening to people that actually donated to BLM. Let's roll it. So Black Lives Matter released their 990 IRS filing. They collected $80 million. Where is that money? It's not here. Everything looks worse than it was. So where's the money? It's not here. Not reinvesting in the black community. Oh, well. Where have you seen that money impacted throughout the city? So my producer just sent me a link. It is just shocking to me because of how much money was raised to think that where he lived, the bills weren't being covered. Super frustrating, but that's a dead end. So now I think I think she's actually referring to uh, George Floyd. I think that's what she's actually referring to. Can't confirm that. But uh, George Floyd was in um, Minneapolis. And I believe that's what she's actually talking about. And here's where it gets really interesting. Ready for. Yeah, this is pretty eye opening right here, guys. Check this out. Some BLM pride. Another 200K went to escorts, BDSM workers, strippers, peep show workers, phone sex operators and webcam performers. And then at that moment, it became personal. And I thought, not only am I going to say the truth, (laughs) I am going to scream the truth louder than you can scream the lies. It's incredible that the majority of the world hasn't seen this. Wow, guys. Wow. So the first part of that, not a surprise. That money wasn't getting getting reinvested in the community. It wasn't. But the second part here, when you started with the LGBT stuff, now we know that um, BLM was started by uh, three lesbians. Money getting donated to uh, strippers, BDS DM, DM workers. Phone, did she say phone sets workers or something like that? Yeah. This is crazy. Crazy. You people that voted for BLM. I would be asking for my money back. I mean, Sharon Osborne, Ozzy Osborne's wife gave nine hundred thousand dollars, almost a million dollars to BLM. 
and she wants her money back. I can't wait to see this documentary, guys. I really, really can't. I know that this came out um, a few days ago, but I had to do a reaction to this, guys. BLM is a scam, a scam. They're pushing. Spend all your money that you people actually uh, donated. Probably the listeners on this channel probably did not donate a dime to Black Lives Marxists uh, because that's just the way our audience is over here. But for you people watching that donates to BLM, I don't care if it's a dollar, five dollars or whatever. Your money did not go back into the black community. Seems like a lot of it actually went to some LGBT stuff. Wow. Wow. Can't wait to check this out, guys. Comes out, I believe, in three days, October the 12th. I'm going to check out that documentary on um, Daily Wire. Daily Wire is putting out some good good documentaries. I mean, Matt Walsh's um, uh, What is a Woman? Really, really did enjoy that. But I believe this one here, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, that's the one I'm really, really interested in watching, guys. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and White Network fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. We'll catch you next time. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rudrance for Black and White Sports 2. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still trying to recover from that shit fest known as Thursday Night Football the other night. Now, if you didn't know any better, you would think like it was Blake Bortles versus Heath Schuler. I mean, that's what the quarterback play in that game looked like. Russell Wilson looked like he completely forgot how to play quarterback. Uh, Matt Ryan, not that much better. And we're talking about two guys that will most definitely at least be heavily in a Hall of Fame conversation one day. I'm not sure they both should be, shouldn't be revoked after that shit show the other night. Well, there was a lot of reaction, obviously, from not only Russell Wilson's uh, play, but also about Pete Carroll and about the fact that he may be the shrewdest SOB going right now. After he made that trade. Well, that's not the only reaction that happened. There was a lot of reaction from Al Michaels and Kurt Herbstreet, who was who was really damn funny during the game because they realized they literally had one of the worst games ever televised. And and we could call it nationally televised, nationally streaming, whatever they want to refer to this crap as. A national game, it might have been the worst national game in the history of worst national games, and we're not that far from re- removed from Broncos 49ers on Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. An 11-10 to 10 game, and I'm going to be honest with you, that game was way more entertaining than this crap. Way more. So, let's get some reaction, because uh, we're going to listen to what Al Michaels had to say. It's hilarious. We're going to listen to what a Broncos local television station had to say, which is also hilarious. And then we're going to look at some of the in-game feedback that rolled in from that total and complete shit show we watched. And I know I've said shit show a lot, but I don't know what else we can call it. Crap fest? 
poop fest 2022? I don't know. It was that bad. It was terrible. Oh, I cannot wait to see the ratings on that game. I really can't. Al Michaels and Broncos TV station are apologetic to viewers over Thursday night football train wreck. It burns the retinas. Um, It should be noted, next week's game is the Commanders and the Bears. Shoot yourself now and just get it over with. Uh, this is It'll be the Sporting News and SI on this. As the broadcast was going on, Thursday Night Football play-by-play voice Al Michaels sounded off several times on the quality or lack thereof in the game. And this is the one, one of the funniest comments you'll ever see. Quote, this is the type of game you'd have as the fifth regional game on CBS on Sunday, a.k.a. the Texans and the Jags. We know what he's talking about here. We absolutely know what he's talking about. Oh, my God. So funny. It's first and goal. Words I never thought I would speak tonight. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Oh, my God. Here, here, Here's a block. Here's a call for a block, block field goal. Ends up throwing it away. And it worked. And look, of all things, that one gets blocked. And that's Grover's. <laughs> and of all things, <laughs> he was not done. He was not done clowning right there. Let's listen. You know, I'm only half kidding. But sometimes a game can be, at least at this point, so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm not feeling that just no, no. over here. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Kurt Herbstreet's reply, and, and, and I will say this about Thursday Night Football, I will say this right off the bat, they got Al Michaels and Kurt Herbstreet right. They absolutely did. Kurt is, is every bit as good doing pro football as he is doing, and he's phenomenal doing college. I mean, that is the one thing that Amazon actually got right out of everything, is putting these two together. And, uh, 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 Lionel, we'll try to create some answers. This, this uh, is a little Lionel, local. We'll try to create some answers for you over the next hour or so. But first off, Troy, I feel the need to just apologize to the viewers. I know we didn't play, we didn't really even run this broadcast, but the fact that you had to watch that on our air, I feel bad. I was here, <laughs> I didn't want to watch it. Where do we begin? Well, listen, it burns. <laughs> the retinas it was that awful both teams stunk it, offensively. it burns the retinas <laughs> it was that awful oh that's so good and that's not where it stopped at all i mean sports illustrated this thursday night football game is blank whoa matt mitchell swartz this looks like an uninspired training camp scrimmage deep in the dog days of camp when you're tired of hitting each other and generally just over anything related to practice or football. This is a nationally televised game or nationally streaming game. Whatever the NFL thinks it is right now, this is supposed to be a nationally watched game. I want you to think about that. An uninspired training camp game. This is one of the worst games I've ever seen that involves both starting quarterbacks and no bad weather. That's the that's the craziest part about this all. Is that Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson did play. I, this is a quarterback, Matt Ryan, that won the most valuable player award. 
just a few years ago in one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen with that Atlanta Falcons team. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and when did Frank Wright forget how to coach? I, I, I'm floored right now. Amazon paid $13 billion over 11 years for Thursday night football. That's $1.18 billion per year. There are 15 Thursday night football games per year. Long story short, they paid $78 million to broadcast Colts Broncos. Wow. So fans... So fans of these two teams exist, question mark? Like y'all watch this every week? Voluntarily? Question mark? Yeah. Yeah, oh God. Yeah, the Broncos fans are rabid. Uh, Colts fans are good fans too. If they make a documentary about this game, it will be called Third and 38. <laughs> it's going to be a 30 for 30. This, this game could end up being... 30 for 30. What if I told you? Yeah, I mean, wow. I have a theory that the football guys just randomly decided to give all the Colts and Broncos offense to the Lions this season. So, about these players in fantasy lineups tonight. Yeah, the do-something guy. Stick them. Move. Are y'all there? Are you going to do something? Did you watch the first half of Broncos-Colts game? You may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> what if we just ended TNF at halftime? Nobody needs to see more of this. Scott Hansen, we know he, he hosts Red Zone. I watch it every weekend. Let's cut to another game. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. It, it, it wasn't happening. God, that's funny, actually, though. He's really good. Uh, bad college football can be fun, even a joy. But bad NFL is always just sad. Again, next week, Commanders Bears, see you there. Yikes. Colts versus Broncos. First week four preseason game in NFL history to be played in October during the regular season. And I'm going to tell you, uh, Tom Brady came out yesterday and he bashed the play in the NFL. And I'm going to tell you, it's been bad this year. It's been really bad, and I'm a, I truly believe this. I truly believe it. A lot of it's got to do with a couple of things. One, they do not give starters enough reps in, training, in, in preseason games anymore. They don't. And they got rid of the fourth preseason game. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, the starters didn't play in that anyway. Well, you tell me what's going on with it, because there's something related to to before the season actually starting that is leading to these slow starts from these teams. Okay, and we've seen it just so happens every year. We see like a shit show fest from Aaron Rodgers a couple of times in the first five weeks. All these players that are good throw up some major stinkers. And I think it would be a lot different if all of these teams would commit to playing every offense, like two series, every preseason game, two actual full series, all three games, everybody is going to get real reps in the preseason in games. It doesn't matter if they don't count. I know they're trying to regulate against injury. I get it. But 
these teams are also playing bad bad football, and the offenses are terrible. They can't get going. Everyone's complaining about watching this. Imagine being a Colts Broncos fan. Y'all can go to bed if you want. <laughs> uh, me currently watching this Broncos Colts game, and that looks like I think that's Dana White. This Warren Sharp. This is brutal. But guess what? Next Thursday's game, Commanders Bears. Yeah, and that's where Bears fans and look, it's al- it's already happening. It's already happening in Bears Nation. They are wondering if they done messed around and drafted the wrong quarterback, just like the 49ers fans are like, oh, shit, I don't know if Trey Lance is going to work. Well, here you go. We never know. This ain't a bash Justin Justin Fields thing, but he hasn't looked very good. He hasn't. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Carson Wentz. Like like always, a, a turnover machine that flashes brilliance at times makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. By the way, I don't know if anybody's noticed. Um, Jared Goff's having a good year. What? What right now? Are you kidding me? I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out as a side note. So, anyway, as you can see, the NFL, Amazon Prime... Even their host, Al Michaels, Kurt Herbstreet, NFL fans, NFL people related to the NFL, media announcers, former players, they obliterated the Colts and the Broncos and that total and complete turd fest 2022 that happened the other night. I wanted to, I wanted to do, I love doing videos that I think are funny. I thought it was funny. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Make sure you use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word will get you 25% off. Go get them right now. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Sports 2. Well, we got some cowboy stuff to talk about right quick. Uh, one of the things we have been keeping track of is, of course, uh, Dak Prescott's injury down in Dallas. Involving that hand, that thumb, and he's still having issues with grip gripping. It doesn't look too promising for Dak right now in a big, big game they've got coming up against the Eagles. Also, we're going to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. because a former uh, really damn good wide receiver and teammate of Odell's, Victor Cruz, when he was with the Giants, has come out and made a proclamation that he believes that Dallas or the Packers are the two best landing spot for Odell. Well, Odell actually came back and answered him. And it doesn't look good for Dallas on that front either. I don't know that they need him, to be honest with you. Of course, he's still recovering from that injury in the Super Bowl. Uh, So 
We'll get to the Odell thing second. Let's check in on Dak right quick. The Cowboys aren't ruling out Dak Prescott for next week's game at Philadelphia. Yeah, but the thing about it is, I think they really thought he would make this game. And so this is this has turned out to be a little slower process, I think, than they they thought. They initially came out and said, yeah, he could be out like seven weeks. But then you started hearing rumblings that they were looking, they were looking at uh, this Philadelphia game was the big one they were looking at him coming back. But the Cowboy is still, Cowboys quarterback, is still regaining grip strength and would need to make significant strides to be ready to return from his fractured right thumb per sources. You know what's crazy about this? This is the same injury Garoppolo played in the playoffs with last year. That's odd. Prescott underwent surgery September 12th and was given a return timeline of four to six weeks. Monday marks four weeks since the surgery. Prescott has another doctor's appointment scheduled for Tuesday to evaluate his process and determine what more he can do on the field. Last week, Prescott did some very light throwing, but was listed as a non-participant in practice. He has kept up with his conditioning, so there's no question he'll be in shape whenever he gets the green light. It's just a matter of time when swelling and soreness and the thumb totally subsides, and he's able to hold and throw the, the ball normally, consistently, and accurately. After the road game against the Eagles, the Cowboys have two consecutive climate-controlled AT&T Stadium games, October 23rd against the Lions, October 30th against the Bears, before their Week 9 bye. Always pushing himself, Prescott has been targeting today's game against the Rams for his return. But that was given a long shot, given the time needed for his bone to heal. It'll be the fourth consecutive start for backup Cooper Rush, who has helped the Cowboys win their first three games of the season. Yeah, and look, you know, some of this is also, um, you know, as long as Cooper keeps winning, why rush Dak back? Now, if Cooper Rush goes out there, lays a complete egg, throws three interceptions, fumbles it twice... You got to wonder if Dak Prescott's thumb will miraculously get a lot better. I, I mean, sometimes that kind of thing happens. Now, let's take a look at this. Victor Cruz has called the Cowboys and the Packers the two best place places uh, for Odell Beckham to end up. And in fact, let's just look at this. Think the best landing spot for your buddy Odell? Oof, the best landing spot for Odell, I think, is two places. One, Green Bay. Um, I think they could use kind of that big play threat out there, him and Aaron Rodgers. And, I'm, and if I know anything about Odell, he'd love that. And the second team, I think, is the Dallas Cowboys. Pains me to say that. And I, I, I can't even finish the sentence without being upset. But I think, you know, if you look at what they need and what Dak Prescott needs, he needs that big play guy. And, um, you know, since they lost some of that due to some trades and some draft things, like, you know, losing Amari Cooper is, is huge for them. And they got to. You know what? I agree with him on that. I do. I think losing Amari Cooper has been a big deal. I truly believe. I actually really, really agree with that. Uh, now, so Odell came back and kind of had a retort to that. All right. In, in some way, form, or fashion, that's certainly how you can interpret this. Okay. Odell Beckham Jr. appears to reveal the five teams he's been interested in joining when he's ready to return. By the way, he's been up there visiting the Giants lately. 
You know, never know. Um, I know that there's been a real push for the Rams to get him back in the building. And there's some thoughts that the Rams may sort of mess around and lose Odell again. Now, uh, if you're in case you're wondering, just real fast, Odell, Odell had 44 catches, 537, five touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Those came when he was with Cleveland last year. Those other five was just with the Rams. Uh, as the NFL season heads into week five, Odell Beckham Jr. is still a free agent, and that's because he doesn't want to sign with anyone until he's fully recovered from the torn ACL he had with the Rams in the Super Bowl with the Bengals. The subject came up Thursday after former NFL player Marcus Spears, he used to play for the Cowboys, who now works for ESPN, suggested that Beckham should sign with the Cowboys. Unfortunately for Cowboys fans, Odell quickly made it clear that he had no interest in heading to Dallas. Well, he used to play for the Giants. Uh, you know, so that's, that is two guys, though. you got Victor Cruz and Marcus Spears that both suggested the Cowboys. Uh, Spear, uh, let's see. After that exchange, Beckham asked Spears to guess the five teams the receiver wants to play for. Spears then made his list, and Beckham responded, pointing out that Spears had hit the nail on the head with his list of five teams. We see eye to eye. So here, here's who made the cut. The Chiefs, the Packers. Okay, Victor Cruz suggested the Packers. The Rams, the Bills, and the Ravens. That Look, that list makes a lot of sense. It does. Uh, I mean, in Green Bay especially, especially in Green Bay, the Packers could also use Beckham, and there could definitely be some mutual interest as Green Bay was one of the finalists for OJ, OBJ services before he ended up signing with the Rams last year. Kansas City, Stephon Diggs. What do all these places have in common? Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Uh, so it's pretty clear. Uh, it's pretty clear the Carolina Panthers are not on Odell's list right now. Man, him and Baker really had a falling out, didn't they? So that's where we are. Not good news on the Dak Prescott front for Cowboys fans. And look, we got a lot of Cowboys fans subscribed to this channel. For a lot of you Cowboys fans, Dak not coming back just yet will actually make some of you guys happy. Okay, look, I still don't think Cooper is taking that job. But, but, I will say this. If Cooper plays another two to three weeks and he wins all three of those games, or both games and and maybe a third one, and then he's 6-0, and oh, and he hasn't had that, what I like to refer to as the shit-the-bed game, Okay, where he is, it's just a disaster. And then Jerry's like, oh, well, we got to get, you know, we got to get Dak back, uh, back in there. It's going to get interesting if he's 6-0. and Okay, that will get interesting in Dallas. Dallas Sports Talk Radio will really start lighting up. I'm going to tell you right now, if Cooper, and, and I contend there is no quarterback controversy. Okay, and Jerry... Jerry ended it sort of the other day. I did a video on that. But look, if he beats the Rams, if he beats the Eagles, it's going to get more interesting in Dallas. It is.
Okay. And I don't really see Odell going to the Cowboys. Sorry, Victor Cruz. Sorry, Marcus Spears. Sorry, Cowboy fans, if you wanted Odell Beckham Jr. Personally speaking, I'm not the biggest Odell guy at all. I'm just not. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Make sure you use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word will get you 25% off. Go get them right now. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rujance for our Black and White Sports. Well, we've talked a lot about the Cleveland Indians. They're always going to be the Indians. The, the Washington Commanders will always be the Redskins to me. And, of course, we know the reason the owner came out and made this uh, cringy statement about George Floyd, and that was influencing his decision to uh, change the Cleveland Indians' name to the Guardians. Obviously, he was catering to things like uh, virtue signaling and identity politics, woke pressure from the media mob, places like ESPN, <laughs> who, who has basically shelled their network over making political statements. And it seems whoever was managing the ship today for ESPN uh, decided to forget that uh, the Cleveland Indians had, in fact, changed their name to the Guardians. It's a shame. Cleveland Indians got a great tradition. I just did a video like maybe not even two weeks ago about the fact that the Cleveland Indians attendance was absolutely in the tank. It was absolutely in the tank, despite the fact that they were having a win winning season. Didn't make a lot of sense, but a lot of Cleveland Indians fans have been very vocal about the fact that they have rejected this incarnation of this team. Let's get to this. This is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. ESPN refers to the Cleveland Guardians as the Indians in promotional graphic. There it is right there. <laughs> Wild card series continues. Rays versus Indians. Is uh, Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn going to start that game? ESPN just wondering. Tomorrow, noon Eastern time on ESPN2. You know what, ESPN? If the Indians actually come out with Chief Wahoo representing, I will actually turn it over and watch my first full baseball game of this season. Wow. ESPN mistakenly referred to the Cleveland Guardians as the, quote, Indians in a graphic that aired on screen during the team's Friday evening game. Wow, there it is right there. Oh, that is so funny. During the Guardians wildcard series game against the Tampa Bay Rays, ESPN advertised the upcoming game on Saturday, but the graphic read Rays versus Indians. Photos of ESPN's mistake were quickly uploaded online by social media users. Quote, just saw a Rays versus Indians graphic. Football analyst Joshua Perry tweeted, graphics producer, Gotta tighten up. One user called on the network to, quote, get it together. 
Another user mentioned ESPN and jokingly asked, when did the Indians come back? The Guardians announced the decision to drop the Indians in the middle of last season, in last season in July 2021, ending a 100, a, a, a proud 106-year association with that name. Team owner Paul Dolan was inspired to change the name after the George Floyd riots of the summer of 2022. That is a story we have well chronicled on this channel. However, the team has struggled to fill the stadium seats since the name change. Quote, in 2019, the last normal year before the pandemic craziness, the Indians saw an average of 21,465 fans per game. Breitbart News' Warner Todd Houston reported this year the team only averaged 15,000 25 fans per game, and this was a winning playoff season. Wow. Wow. And that's what we were talking about the other day. Holy crap. That I find this hilarious that the network that has tanked its business brand for the sake of social justice and wokeness and talking identity politics all the time, decides to put the Indian's old name up on the screen that was supposedly, even even though I keep getting told by Native Americans all over the place, it absolutely was not offensive, neither is the Braves, neither is the Chiefs. They made the mistake and hilariously put their the old Cleveland Indian's name up. I think that's funny as all get out. I truly do. Tell me what you think, black and white sports supporters. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Make sure you use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word will get you 25% off. Go get them right now. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, guys, all of the daytime NFL games are in the book. And we're going to be talking about one particular game that happened between Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. There was a huge, terrible call at the end of that game. Uh, Tampa Bay was actually up in this game 21 to nothing, and they actually blew the lead. Um, They ended up winning 21 to 15. But there was a huge call that actually benefited Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was a rough in the passer call. And guys, if you actually watch the um the play, it was horrific. Nowhere in the world was that rough in the passer. I'm a Tom Brady fan. I'm actually pulling for him, but that was a trash call. And the referee, Jerome Boger, actually defends it. Check this out, guys. Over here on Breitbart. Falcons victimized by horrific rough in the passer call on Tom Brady. Now, guys, I'm not going to actually blame that call on the reason why they lost. 
Falcons, you got down 21 to nothing. Okay, that is your fault right there. They did not lose the game because of this. They still need to go down and score a touchdown uh, to even uh, tie the game. But anyway, it says here, Falcons defensive uh, tackle Grady Jarrett executed a perfectly legal sack of Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady on Sunday. Nonetheless, the officiating crew threw a flag and penalized the Falcons 15 yards for roughing the passer. Now, let's go ahead and watch the clip here, guys. We don't need the sound, uh, but just watch this. Let's play it. So Tom Brady in the pocket. That was it. That was it right there. They called roughing the passer on that. That is crazy. Let's go back. I'm going to play it again slowly here so you guys can see it. So. Grady Jarrett gets Tom Brady. Bam, he goes down. Gets up. Doesn't kick him. None of that. They called that roughing the passer. That was horrible. You can see here some blue chats um, already calling it absolute bullshit right there. This was terrible. Completely terrible. But check this out. Pro football talk. Jerome Boger. Grady Jarrett. Unnecessarily threw Tom Brady to the ground. Yeah. This is horrific, guys. Um, It says after the game, referee Jerome Boger spoke to uh, pool reporter Greg Almond regarding the decision to flag Garrett. Quote, as Almond, there was a third down penalty where the Falcons had a rough in the passer called after sacking Tom Brady that extended the drive. Just looking for clarification on what uh, constituted that rough in the passer. Now, quote, what I had was the defender grabbed the quarterback while he was still in the pocket and unnecessarily threw him to the ground. That is what I was making my decision on uh, based on based upon. That was crazy. That was horrific right there. I mean, if you go guys, go back and look at um the clip. Actually, if you look at it, guys, let me go back and play it in real time here. They're both kind of moving around. That's nothing more than a sack. That is a clean play. What a terrible call and a pathetic excuse by Jerome Boger uh, for defending himself. He made the call. Of course, he's going to stick with it. He has to know that was a terrible, terrible call right there. Now, I'm pretty sure that Tom Brady also knows that was a terrible call. Yeah, definitely benefited the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did. They won the game. They won the game pretty much fair and square. And I don't want to make any excuses for the Falcons. You know, uh, they they are the ones that actually got got down 21 to nothing. So they dug themselves in a hole. And that's definitely a big hole to get out of when you have Tom Brady on, a, on the other side. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, let us know. Stick about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. 
tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about Ime Udoka yet again in this video, guys. The Boston Celtics coach is suspended for the entire season and his NBA career may be over. Now, guys, we know that Ime Udoka actually slept with a travel planner for the Celtics, a staffer named Kathleen Nemo Lynch. That has been out there. That's pretty much been confirmed, folks. But um, still, even with that. A lot of questions were actually being asked. Why is that grounds for a year long suspension that could also probably end his NBA career? And we really haven't had a whole bunch of answers, folks. But however, it seems like the answer was out there, but nobody was covering this. A week ago, Yard Barker actually put up an article. And if this is true, this pretty much explains why he was actually suspended for the whole entire season. And also this pretty much would back what uh, Matt Barnes actually said as to him, him actually retracting his support for Emi Udoka saying that this could actually turn the league upside down and that this could actually end his NBA career. Well, guys, check this out. This is from Yard Barker a week ago. Emi Udoka's affairs reportedly involved him sleeping with the wife of a Celtics minority owner, not just Kathleen, Kathleen Nemo Lynch, the wife of a owner of the Celtics. Now, we don't know this guy's name. This came out like five minutes ago over here on a fan side. Uh, Celtics, Boston Celtics rumors. Joe Budden reveals wild M.A. Udoka affair wrinkle. Yes, we're talking about the rapper there. And I talked to Rhodes before I actually um, shot this video. He's like, yeah, the rapper? I'll say, yeah. And we know that these rappers, man, they are definitely involved with the NBA. This is probably why the Celtics really, really want to keep this low key. And I already said before, guys, I truly do believe that um, NBA teams and uh, people associated with the NBA, they truly know what went down. This could be really, really bad here, folks. Now, it says here, suspended Boston Celtics head coach Ime Udoka has had plenty of skeletons come flying out of his closet in the weeks leading up to the 2022-23 NBA season. And the latest may just take the cake when it comes to both juiciness and dysfunction. As we know, Yudoka had an affair with a close friend of Danny Ainge. We covered that. Who the former Celtics general manager personally hired. This woman was booking flights for Yudoka's fiance Nia Long, which initially caused a stir on social media. Long didn't even care about the affair, though, as she and Yudoka's arrangement was not one akin to an actual relationship, but was what but was um more of a loose, open partnership to mutually take care of their shared son. Now, I didn't know that. That's what they're actually putting out right there. I'm not even going to dive into that. But anyway, it says here, now we're finding out more wrinkles about who else Udoka might have been sleeping with. And according to rapper turned media personality Joe Budden, it's as damaging as possible for Udoka. Budden revealed that Udoka reportedly had another affair 
with the wife of one of the franchise's minority owners. This is in addition to the Boston Celtics team service manager, who was a close friend of Danny Ainge. Uh, Quote, you can't be doing that, man. Not with the owner's wife, said Budden. This is all too much of a black mark on Ime Udoka's record for the suspended Boston Celtics head coach to come back from. Had it just been the team service manager, Udoka would have uh, been suspended, but likely welcome back into the league eventually. Yeah, when you start sleeping with the owner's wife, this is really, really bad. This is crossing a whole to a whole new level here. Clearly, that is actually crossing the line right there. And the Celtics, this is probably why they said they were going to actually revisit this at a later date. Because I believe this man is done. He is done. Not only was he sleeping with somebody, team service manager, with the Celtics, but this could actually be what actually broke the camel's back right here. Sleeping with the owner's wife. This is super duper bad right here. This could be crossing the line like we have never seen in sports. I mean, guys, think of this. This is just so crazy right here. I don't see how any NBA team would actually take him in and hire him if this is true. I mean, guys, this man, if this is true, is completely untrustworthy. Completely. I believe there's still more. This is probably why the Celtics want to cover this thing up to save the minority owner any type of embarrassment. But however, you know, the team service um, uh, manager, she's not really the manager, but um, team service um, travel arranger, I guess we can call her that. She's low hanging fruit. But when you're talking about the owner's wife, that is on a whole new level, folks. I don't know if this is true, but man, if it is, this answers a lot of questions. This is probably why M.A. Udoka will never, ever coach in the NBA again. You cross the line, man, if you actually slept with the owner's wife. This is completely nuts, folks. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, does this kind of answer a bunch of questions that uh, you had? It definitely answers a lot to me because just sleeping with the uh, the travel arranger, that doesn't really seem like um, that actually gets you a one year suspension. Sleeping with the owner's wife. Yeah, you're done and you're probably done forever. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriance for our black and white sports too. Well, we got a bunch of concussion stuff. Fallout from the Tua situation. We got a little mind disagreement between the NFL and the NFLPA on whether or not protocol was actually followed in the entire Tua fiasco. 
a fiasco that somehow has reached out into the mainstream media. We got an idiot over at MSNBC. John shot a video where she said, oh, my God, the league ignored him because he was black, except two is like Samoan, not even black. Um, wow. Way to do your research, Tiffany Cross. Great work. Um, and and we got an issue when it comes to Cameron Brake. That's right. The tight end of the Buccaneers. Because it seems, and that's, you know what, let's start there. Uh, because remember, the whole thing was he had a shoulder injury, right? Well, he didn't. He had a head injury. And uh, they have figured out that he has had, he had had, and did have a head injury. This came out last night. NFL chief medical officer concedes that Cameron Brait did indeed strike his head on Sunday night. This is Florio. A couple of these are Florio. One of them is NFL.com. Tom Policero. Last night, the concussion protocol seemingly failed last Sunday night to keep Buccaneers tight end Cameron Brake out of action until he was properly checked for a concussion. The league's official position is that a pair of spotters in the booth concluded that Brake was hitting his shoulder. During a Saturday afternoon video conference regarding the changes to the concussion protocol, we will get to that, resulting from the Tua Tonga-Vailoa investigation, the chief medical officer, Alan Seals, was asked about the league's contention that Brake suffered a blow to the shoulder and not the head. rut Quote, I actually agree with you, Seals said, as to the notion that the video shows Brake being struck in the head. Quote, I think there was some contact to the shoulder and head from what I've seen on video. Seals explained that spotters have up to 30 different camera angles available to them. Quote, they look for a lead to for a blow to the head or something where there's forces transmitted to the head or the neck area. And then they look to see if they believe that that injury behavior is present. If that injury behavior would have indicated concussion protocol or a concussion evaluation should have been done. Uh Uh-oh. He pointed out that there are a number of situations involving blows to the head or neck area in every game that don't exhibit injury behavior. Thus, the spotters don't order a concussion evaluation. Quote, our instructions to them is if, if they see anything that meets the criteria of injury behavior, that they should call down and initiate concussion protocol. Again, to be conservative in doing so, Dr. Seals, that's sort of our instruction. That's my understanding of what was going on. I wasn't in the booth that night. However, according to the NFL, however, spotters never got to the point in which they asked themselves whether Brake exhibited injury behavior. He did. Yeah, he did. The spotters concluded he was struck in the shoulder, not in the head. Dr. Seals, again, this is the NFL chief medical officer. Dr. Seals agreed that Brate absorbed a blow to the head. <laughs> okay. Thus, the spotters got this wrong. Brate should have been checked for a concussion at the time when he re-entered the game without evaluation. By the way, he started complaining of concussion sy- symptoms in the locker room at halftime, and then he went into the protocol. Uh, so there you have that. Uh, now, NFL and NFLPA agree to modify concussion protocols following completion of Tua Tonga-Vailoa investigation. Uh, it should be noted, this starts today. 
This should start today, according to uh, what I have seen uh, everywhere right now. The NFL and NFL Players Association announced in a joint statement on Saturday that while, quote, the step-by-step process outlining the concussion protocol was followed, the outcome in this case was not what was intended during Miami's quarterback's Tua Tonga-Vailoa's concussion evaluation during Dolphins game against the Bills on September 25th. In response to the investigation, the league's concussion protocol has been modified. The new concussion protocol will be in effect starting this Sunday. Quote, the NFL and the NFLPA announced that the specific change to protocol is that the diagnosis of ataxia has been added to the mandatory, quote, no-go symptoms that determine whether or not a player can re-enter the game. Again, as I did a video the other day, uh, after the Tua incident, uh, where essentially it wasn't caught during the Bills game and then the fallout on that Thursday night game, uh, the, the players that were pulled out of games jumped from 3 to 12 last weekend. Quote, as such as has been done in previous cases, based on the advice of parties respective to medical experts, the protocol will be modified to enhance the safety of players, the statement read. Specifically, the term ataxia has been added to mandatory no-go symptoms. Ataxia is defined as an abnormality of balance, stability, motor coordination, or dysfunction of speech caused by a neurological issue. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to come out and say it. How the F was that not part of the protocol already? Wow. Let me read that back to you because it literally sounds like a concussion. Abnormality of balance, stability, motor coordination, or dysfunctional speech. Okay. (laughs) Jesus, do you need to see somebody literally walk out on the field and hit somebody in the head with a baseball bat? Oh, that's probably a concussion. Oh, God. In other words, if a player is diagnosed with ataxia by any club or neutral physician involved in the application of the concussion protocol, he will be prohibited from returning to the game and will receive the follow-up care required by protocol. There is a nice little uh, a, a nice little checklist. Let's let's look at it. I doubt I'm going through this, but we can look. Uh, sideline survey, remove helmet, team physician, UNC, perform sideline survey, no-go, history of event, concussion sign symptoms, uh, Maddox questions, video review, focus neurological exam, cerv- cervical spine, including range of motion, evaluation of speech, observation of GAT, I don't know, eye movements, and... Uh, preliminary exam. I don't know. That's awfully small writing, so it is what it is. So, they agree to change the protocol. They add this ataxia to it, which is wild because it sounds like, how is that not already in there? That's mind-boggling to me, but okay. So, on Thursday night, and this came out uh, after the, the announcement of this protocol, change. On Thursday night, the NFL Players Association Executive Committee member Richard Sherman declared the union believes the concussion protocol followed into a Tonga-Vailoa's situation, so I guess he believed it, it did not happen. Fewer than 48 hours later, the NFL and NFLPA, they remember, they issued a statement 
They issued a statement that seems to conflict with this position. The union separately insists, per a source with knowledge of the NFLPA's thinking, that it does not. In the same statement in which the league and union agree that the concussion protocol will be revised moving forward, the NFL and NFLPA agreed that the protocol was followed in the Tua's case. But that, quote, outcome in this case was not what was intended when the protocol was drafted. Okay, we read that a, a second ago. All right, that, that was Dr. Seals acknowledging that's, that's not where we thought this would go. So basically, then followed the directions on the box for baking a cake, but the end result was not a cake. It essentially means that they didn't follow the directions, and they didn't. From the joint statement regarding the claim by Tua that his instability was a result of a back injury, quote, they concluded the player's back injury was the cause of his observed instability. However, the team's physician in UNC did not conduct an examination of Mr. Tonga Bailoa's back during the concussion examination, but instead relied on earlier examination conducted by other members of medical staff. As reported on Sunday, the union intended to ask Tua that very question. When you told the doctors it was a back injury, did they examine your back? They didn't. They just took his word for it. Wow. My God, you got to protect the player from himself, too, here. Don't get me wrong. I think the player's got some responsibility in all this, absolutely. Uh, but, look, the player's always going to err on the side of getting back in the game and playing, okay? And who can blame them, right? From the union's perspective, that shows a clear violation of protocol. It's unclear why the NFLPA would agree to a statement that potentially would create an impression that protocol was followed. Per a source with knowledge of the situation... The union absolutely does not agree that protocol was followed, only that boxes were checked and that a meaningful examination was not provided to Tonga Vailoa. The NFL, in a conference call conducted late Saturday afternoon, insisted the protocol was indeed followed. So while the two parties agreed to the language of their joint statement, they seemed to agree to disagree on whether protocol was truly followed. Okay. And there's another little tidbit in all this that I can throw in here. When I was when they were talking about this throughout the week on PFT, uh, Sims and Florio, Florio absolutely believes that there is a real chance the league is truly not taking a bullet on Cameron Brake. He believes he believes that it was completely missed, and because of the Tua situation, in theory. He thinks the league may have covered something up here because they didn't want an immediate shitstorm right after a nationally televised shitstorm. You get my point? Oh, crap. We've got another one where we missed it and we screwed up. Alan Seals come out and said, uh, I mean, you know, right here that uh, where was that? Um, uh, he said, he said, I actually agree with you. Um, he agreed that the break absorbed a blow to the head. Thus, the spotters got this one wrong. He exi- he did exhibit injury behavior. I mean, th- there you go. Okay, so uh, that right there tells you, you know, people think people think the league knows that Tampa Bay and their their protocols through the situation screwed up, okay? And screwed up um, not on a Tua level because Tua had a sec- second blow on national TV, 
that caused a lot of issues. But clearly, they missed another one, okay, on a player, on a high-profile team that Tom Brady plays on, right? Um, Todd Bowles was grilled this week over this. And all I kept saying was, look, we didn't know there was a head injury. We didn't. We heard shoulder. And then when, when we got in the locker room at halftime and he started exhibiting actual concussion symptoms, according to him, like, like head issues, then that's when they immediately put him in the pr- protocol. Who knows? But I do know this. The press down in Tampa asked him about this like, it's, I swear to God, it seemed like six times in a row. He got asked, and he gave almost the exact same answer every single time. Look, we didn't know it was his head. We thought it was his shoulder. And when we realized it was his head, we put him in the protocol. I, I kind of understand where Tampa Bay is coming from on this. But the league has also got their head on a swivel right now because they were like, shit, that, this Tua thing was a public relations disaster. Okay, disaster i don't know it's 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 crazy uh what i do know is i heard around the league from various pundits that they literally know people that have children that watch football and their wives made them turn the tv off the night Tua got hurt of course he was on the field and it looked terrible with his hands all you know that's a neurological response he was having and it looked bad. It did. It was like, oh shit, he's brain he's got brain damage. You know, I mean that's that's what it looked like, okay, at the time. It was pretty shocking. I was like, holy Jesus, what's going on right now? I knew it was neurological. And, you know, at some point those young kids of parents grow up and that would have been the league's players. You get my point. Peace, I'm out. Till next time, Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Make sure you use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word will get you 25% off. Go get them right now. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. Well, one of the things we've really been following is Oregon and the governor's race. Now, Oregon is always known to be a radical left area, but we've got to remember, much like every other Democratic state, essentially, when you get out of the urban area, it becomes Trump country. That's right. Well, guess what? That entire state sat back and watched Portland burn by the hands of the BLM and Antifa. And it seems, and this this race is now neck and neck, it seems this Republican just got a very, very uncharacteristic donation. I did not see this coming at all. And when Nike... And Phil Knight have lost faith in anything related to a Democrat in Oregon. Democrats are in major trouble. They are in major, major trouble now in the midterms. Nike co-founder donates $1 million 
to Republican running for governor in Oregon. Nike co-founder Phil Knight has contributed $1 million towards Republican gubernatorial candidate Christine Drazen campaign in Oregon. According to KATU, Knight had previously donated $3.75 million to independent candidate Betsy Johnson's gubernatorial campaign, but has now shifted his sights to the right. Knight's spending spree shows a staunch opposition to Democratic candidate for governor's office, Tina Kotek. Knight's boost to Drazen's campaign comes nearly two months after the candidate announced a steep increase in ad spending in August. The ad buy centered around her roadmap for flipping Oregon, which hasn't had a Republican governor in decades. Quote, Tina Kotek and Betsy Johnson have been driving Kate Brown's agenda for years. They've led Oregon down the wrong path, Drazen said in the ad. Tina and Betsy hadn't fixed anything. In fact, they've made it worse. There's Phil Knight right there. I didn't see this coming. Quote, we need a new direction. My roadmap for Oregon cleans up our streets, stops the tax increases, and makes life affordable for Oregon families. The stakes couldn't be higher, but together we can do this. While Oregon has not elected a Republican governor in decades, Drazen and Kotek are neck and neck in the polls, with Drazen even holding a one-point lead, according to 538's polling average. The last Republican to win the governor's office was, yikes, I don't even know how to say that dude's name, Vic Atiyeh. In 1982, you know, I got to wonder how a rule, like what seems like a largely rural area like that. I mean, Oregon to me has like similarities like Montana and Wyoming. How in the hell did y'all become a bunch of liberals up there? That just, that just seems odd to me, right? A lot of forest, a lot of woods, pretty country. It's just odd to me. I don't know. (laughs) That's, you know, I just find that strange. Um, this is interesting because it shows that, wow, how bad has, has Joe Biden's presidency been that when people that largely had been supporting democratic candidates are now, now either distancing themselves from Biden completely or they've done left the party, right? Guys, I mean, Bill Maher and, and Joe Rogan are acting like they haven't left the party, but yet they're talking up Ron DeSantis. Um, and that's just an example, but you get my point here. Now, for Phil Knight to, to publicly, publicly back a, a Republican is pretty shocking. Um, look, I don't know what kind of Republican she is necessarily. I don't even know if she's an America First Republican. My guess is she sounds somewhat sensible. Um, I would be shocked if you if you were a true conservative to be able to get the vote and win that election. Um, but I don't know. I may be wrong. Oregonians may be like, we're ready for a conservative. We've got traditional value sets here outside of the city, outside of Ted Wheeler's uttering complete dumpster fire. We've sat back. We've watched this happen. We've watched this place turn into a wreck. Not to mention, let's not sleep on what COVID 
and those policies did to the thought process in some of those citizens' eyes. We've got to recognize they lost the cops, right? You completely lost the cops, probably lost the firefighters. Um, you, you, you lost small business because they got affected by the pandemic and closed down. We know how that went for these cities. Masking, public schools, CRTs, mama bears pissed off about what their kids are being taught. And that is driving a lot of people towards voting Republican. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. We are steamrolling now to the midterms. Steamrolling. I don't know. Tell me what you think, Black and White Network supporters. Phil Knight. Oh, how much crap is he going to take? He is, of course, heavily involved. As in... Hey, here's your uniforms. Wink, wink with the Oregon Ducks up there, which is, of course, the biggest uh, college program in that area and one of the biggest two, three, four in the Pac. Is it Pac-12? Pac-12, yeah. Um, Right? Pac-10, Pac-12? I don't know. You know, they play their games so late. I don't really cover it ever on the sports channel. Either one of them. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Make sure you use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word will get you 25% off. Go get them right now.